Welcome to Proclaiming Justice, a podcast from PJTN that focuses the light of truth on vital issues in today's headlines that impact every American. I'm your host, Laurie Cardoza-Moore, founder and president of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, and I'm here to educate, motivate, and activate you to action. I want to arm you with the truth and the facts you'll need to fight and preserve our constitutional republic and uphold the Judeo-Christian values our nation was founded upon. Welcome to Proclaiming Justice, a PJTN podcast, and I'm your host, Laurie Cardoza-Moore. If you missed the last episode of this podcast, you will find it and our previous podcast lineup on our website at pjtn.org, as well as all the other platforms that you use to access your favorite podcasts. On this week's podcast, I have invited Jaffa Batya DaCosta back to Proclaiming Justice to update our watchmen on the rise of anti-Semitism that we are seeing grow across the globe. And I also want to remind our audience that as PJTN Watchmen, it is our biblical duty to listen and share this and all of our previous podcasts with your family and friends so that they can take action against the issues that threaten our republic and the state of Israel. So please remember to like and share. As it goes with Israel, so shall it go with America. Yaffa, thank you so much for joining us on Proclaiming Justice. It's great to have you back on the program. Oh, Lord, no, I want to thank you. I really enjoy doing these programs with you, and I very much appreciate all the time you spend doing podcasts for uh, PJTN, Um, and all the work that you're doing and the people that, that work with you. It's really, really good work. Well, it's wonderful to have you on the show, and you and I share so much in common. And, of course, one of our favorite things to talk about is the Anusim, the Lost Jews, of course, the the documentary that we're getting ready. In fact, we're going to be announcing the launch of production at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention next week in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, so... We're very excited. Um, we expect that we'll be in production for about a year. And to our audience, Yaffa is going to be assisting us through this process. So we're going to use her expertise to help tell the story and to try to really connect the dots to the anti-Semitism that we see today and the Jew hatred and anti-Semitism back in medieval times during the time of the Inquisition in Spain and Portugal. So stay tuned. There's more to come on that. All right. So Yaffa, you know, we we talked a bit last week about the rise of anti-Semitism, and we're going to we wanted to expound on that because this is a growing problem. Of course, we see it in education. We see it in our communities. And of course, it's being fueled by this this um, disinformation that is so prevalent today, not just in our children's textbooks and curriculum, but we see it on social media. We see it on the internet. And you've been following this, and you've been doing your own research about this 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 rise. Let's talk about that today. Right, right, exactly. Because I'm on YouTube a lot, and uh, excuse me, not YouTube, Twitter, but it turned into X with Elon Musk. Um, so I see it a lot on Twitter, 
Okay, and of course there are actually videos, YouTube videos, that explain about anti-Semitism, and there are also anti-Semitic videos out there, and people doing mm -hmm. interviews of other people and talking about the Jews and and hateful messages about the Jews. So that is also true. Um, but I want to start with this quote from a friend of mine, Rudy Rockman, who was a reservist in the uh, IDF, recently came back from the war um, in Gaza. But he did a short little video, and here's the quote that was on the video that he did. And this is from Rudy. These are not my words. Quote, it's time to be a player, not just a fan. Jewish haters have become emboldened, empowered, and are no longer lurking in the shadows. This is the moment for young Jews. He wrote young Jews. I would say young people, all kinds of young people around the world to rise up and to find their unique role for how they will change history. The moment that you can change the world begins with the moment that you believe you can and then act upon that, that belief, unquote. So it, it's so, so important for people not just to see what's going on or talk about it, but to actually do something about it, act upon it. Okay, so I'm going to start with the research that I did for this podcast, Lori, and I think I, I mentioned this to you um, in a private conversation a while ago, but I wanted to share it also here for all of your listeners, that there are two verses that I see as bookends in Tanakh. Tanakh is Torah, the, Netivi, the Net, Net, uh, Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ketuvim, which means the writings of the royal houses. That's all of the Hebrew Bible. We call it Tanakh. And these two verses have the same chapter and verse number. And they're like bookends for me, because one of them is in the book of Genesis, mm -hmm. and the other one is in the book of Daniel. By the way, the book of Daniel is the second to the last book in the writings of the royal houses. Okay, so it's not the last book. That's Ezra and Nehemiah. But it's second to the last. So it's kind of like bookends. So it's one verse from Genesis and one verse from the writings. And it's the same chapter and verse. So it's Genesis 12.3 mm -hmm. and Daniel 12.3. Now, Genesis, I'm sure you're very familiar with this. Genesis 12.3, where God tells Abraham, and it's not just for Abraham, it's for Isaac and Jacob and all their descendants. Okay, He says, I will bless those who bless you, and he who curses you, I will curse. Okay, so one is in the plural and the other is in the singular. So I don't want to go into that whole, you know, kind of like tangent. But the thing is, people have to do something right. in support of the Jews or support of Israel, act upon it rather than just have a feeling about it or whatever you might say. They have to actually bless the people. And silence means consent. So mm -hmm. silence in the face of all of this anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism and mm -hmm. all the anti-Jew, whatever you want to call it, silence in the face of that is actually consent to it. So if those people who are actually acting out of their hatred of the Jewish people, the silent people are with them, to be honest with you, not just the, the people right. protesting right. on behalf of Arab Palestinians and all this other stuff and forgetting right. the Jews, forgetting the hostages, forgetting what was done to our people on October 7th. So it's not just that. It's also people who are silent. Mm -hmm. Now, the connection to Daniel, Daniel 12, 3, 
It talks about people who are resurrected. It talks about the time of Jacob's trouble. I'm sure mm-hmm. this chapter and verse is also very familiar to you and probably many of your listeners. Mm-hmm. talks about the resurrection. It says there will some who will be resurrected to eternal shame. Okay? Mm-hmm. And for me, as an interpretation, of course, of that verse, I think the eternal shame is for people who could have done more and didn't do more, didn't do right. what they could have done to help the Jewish people. That's mm-hmm. it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And, of course, that's confirmed in the book of Obadiah, which I quote, very often, I know our audience knows this, that God told Obadiah in the last days that he was going to wipe out the nation of Edom because they stood by while their brother Jacob was held in captivity and they did nothing. So obviously, there's an obvious connection here. And, you know, silence, as you said, and of course, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we quote him all the time here, that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. You are, your silence speaks. Right, right, exactly. And inactivity speaks. Lack of action Mm -hmm. speaks in the face of all these things. So it's Mm -hmm. both lack of words and lack of action. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So, you know, there are a lot of biblical Christians who, um, they're not fighting Mm anti-Semitism as they should, as they could, okay? Um. We know why the replacement theology type of Christian isn't doing it, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. But but the question is, where are the biblical Christians or the, the people who call themselves pro-Israel Christians? Mm-hmm. Where are they? And what I mean by that is, where are they in terms of words, in terms of action? Now, I have a hunch that when it comes to social media, for example, There are people who either are not on social media or they're there, but they don't really know how to use it. And they're in and out. They watch a little Mm -hmm. bit, but they're not really, uh, you know, doing it. Okay. And I'm going to be running a course on this, on how to utilize social media. It could be for whatever anybody wants, as a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. but also to fight anti-Semitism because there's just so much on social media that is anti-Semitic. And, of course, I, I applaud Elon Musk. I really do for wanting to have free speech. And I think the line that he draws is if people are promoting killing or hurting other human beings or like Mm -hmm. genocide, things like that, Mm -hmm. that they would eliminate, they would remove. Okay. But otherwise people's beliefs are just that people's beliefs. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why some of the anti-Semitism that's out there is in that category of, well, they're not promoting violence. They're not promoting killing of Jews. Of course, that's what some people do when they read these comments that are, by the way, mostly taken out of context. I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Mm-hmm. So these are things that people can fight where they want to do an hour a day, an hour a week, an hour a month. You know, it doesn't matter. People have schedules. People have responsibilities, family, work, etc. So whatever amount of time they can allocate to do it, I'm going to try to help the people who just don't know how they mm-hmm. want to. You know, and they'd like to, and they'd like to have more information about, well, how would you find anti-Semitism? Yafa, how would you answer this kind of a comment? Or right. Yafa, and they, they're going to, what they do is they're going to be in a Zoom meeting with me, okay, for about three months, mm-hmm. once a week, learning all of this stuff and practicing it. There'll be homework assignments, okay? Mm-hmm. And then during the week also, they will be able to send me messages, okay, whether it be email, whatever their, their favorite form is. WhatsApp, email, whatever, 
about a message that they saw and ask me, you know, mm -hmm. give them some guidance, if you will, on how would you respond to that particular comment right. kind of thing. So right. that's going to be the course for about 90 days. I'm going to have about 12 students that are actually going to help me develop this course by their questions, by their comments, by their own admission. Gee, I wish I understood more about X or Y or Z, mm -hmm. whatever it happens to be. So that's what I'm going to do um, along with continuing my work on Twitter. And mm -hmm. um, then I want to talk about some things from the New Testament that people are using to promote anti-Semitism. But, but why don't you talk to me about what you think about the New Testament being used for anti-Semitism? Absolutely. So, you know, too often I have been to events, Patriot Group events, where I've spoken publicly. And this room, most Patriots are Bible-believing Christians. And too often is there someone in the, the gathering who will raise their hand, make a statement about the Jews and about and quoting scriptures like you are of your father, the devil. And um, and I believe there's that verse is in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 11. I was looking at it um, earlier this week. You and I had talked about it in our communication and that's exactly some of the the um, scriptures that people cite because and the point that you made in our communication earlier this week is people take things out of context. They're not reading verses in their proper context. And who is the audience that's being spoken to? You know, because in the time when Jesus was alive, there were no Christians. They were not Christians. They were Jews. And and Jesus would have been considered as starting another sect of Judaism. But in reality, what he was doing, if we look at his teachings, he was always pointing the people, he, his audience, back to the Father. And to suggest that all the people that he was speaking to were a bunch of, um, you know, Christians— is to misunderstand and this is the this is the biggest problem within Christianity we don't study the bible in its proper context we don't study the bible and i know if you ultimately the best way to study the bible is to be able to read hebrew and for me there's no way in my life right now that i'm going to be able to learn this this language so what do i do i use an orthodox version of a bible called the tanakh that's in Hebrew, translated to English to get the closest I possibly can to the meaning of the word. And just using that method in studying the Bible has totally opened my eyes to see things I never saw before because I was conditioned, like many Christians are conditioned, I was conditioned to see the scriptures through a Christian Gentile lens not through a Hebraic Jewish lens. Precisely, precisely. Context is the time that that document was written, whenever the document was, the time, the milieu, if you will, mm -hmm. okay, what was going on at that time. So that's part of context. Another part of context is the religion or beliefs or you know, whatever that person who is writing, where they were coming from mm -hmm. in that time period, 
okay? And the third major piece, and there are other small, you know, lesser pieces, is not just who's talking, but who's listening? Who are they talking to? Or who are they writing to? Who's the audience? So what's difficult for many people, because they've never been taught this, and so I understand there's a, a big, humongous education problem here for most people, is they've never been taught to read these writings from the first century with first century eyes, mm-hmm. it's called. In other words, to really have that worldview, that mindset as best they can, in trying mm-hmm. to understand what was written, as we say, in context. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me give an example. Now, Paul's book um, to the Romans, the letter to the Romans, chapter 11, is huge in my, my estimation because that's where he talks about the olive tree. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, because, you know, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, of course. And then you have the Jerusalem Ecclesia or Kahal in Hebrew, the community in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Okay, But Paul was out in um, Asia Minor to all of those sound towns or cities or whatever that's written about in the book of Revelation, as you know. Um, and the thing is, so he was writing to a Gentile audience. So you have, people have to understand that. And his metaphor for the Gentile believers, and I'm going to get back to the word believers in a minute, was you've got the Jewish believers who are the olive tree. They're the natural branches. And then you have these wild branches who are grafted in. Wild in the sense that they may have grown up pagan. But they leave their pagan ideology, come to accept the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in a lot of places in these writings, that's what the word believer means, by the way. Mm-hmm. is believing in that God that Paul was promoting mm-hmm. all the time in his letters. He's a Jew. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, they also happen to believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, but that's a lesser thing that Paul is talking about. Okay. But he is talking about the teachings, okay, of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the other comment that I want to make about these two communities, the Gentile community and the Jewish community, of believers is in terms of 2 Corinthians 9, okay, where he talks about putting together an offering for the community in Jerusalem. What, what's this all about? Giving money to people in Jerusalem. Paul takes up offerings every place he goes. Okay, he's talking about this. There are other, other verses that I could give you. But he's always talking about this. Why is he doing it? Because they want to support the Jewish believers. This is how close these Gentile communities listening to Paul and following Paul's teachings were to the Jews in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Okay, that they even took up offerings. They called offerings. Now, as soon as you say offering, okay, it's a religious act. Mm-hmm. You're giving to the poor. That's a religious act. Okay, so... This is how close these communities were. Obviously, later, they're not so close. There's all kinds of stuff that's written about later, which I'm going to talk about. But the thing is, the misunderstandings, most of them come in the in the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Okay, So we were talking the other day about the Gospel of John, chapter 8. There's a statement about Jews being of their father, the devil, or Satan, mm-hmm. whichever word you want there. 
but he's talking about those who don't do, do the will of the Father in heaven. So he's using this father figure in a way of saying, if you follow the will of God, who's your father in heaven, then that's truly he's your father because you're following his will. But if you're not following the will of God, then who's your father? Okay, because mm. you're, you're rebelling against your father in heaven. So your father is really Satan. He's not mm -hmm. talking about all Jews. He's talking about people who are sinning and unrepentant for their mm -hmm. sin. I mean, just count, use a counter in, in, uh, in an online uh, New Testament Bible sometime. How many times Jesus talks about repenting from sin, right? Mm -hmm. This is why it's so important because, yes, okay, people sin, got it. That happens, but they can repent, which means they stop. They stop doing that sin. Now your father, now God in heaven is your father. Okay, that's what it meant in its day, and of course people have used that phrase in mm -hmm. chapter eight of John to imply that all Jews mm -hmm. are uh, descended from Satan. And of course they're not talking literal <laughs> descended, you know, genetically. They're talking about you're following Satan instead of following God in heaven. Right. It's a right. slander and a libel against the Jewish people that's been passed down through church history to this day mm -hmm. and even used today as a criticism against all Jews. Mm -hmm. Absolutely correct. You know, the, the other thing about sinning is the one thing that Christians leave out is in their understanding. You know, they think sin is just a general term and they don't understand that sinning, when you sin, you miss the mark. Well, what is the mark? It's following the Torah of Moses. And I know that, you know, many Christians don't even consider that concept that we're supposed to follow the Torah. I have found people, um, I've had conversations with Christians who have told me, oh, well, that the Torah was nailed to the cross. We don't have to keep that anymore because we we followed, you know, Jesus. Well, if you follow Jesus, then you have to follow the Torah because that's what he's following. And when he's calling people to repentance, he's calling people back to keeping the Torah of Moses. And that's one of the things that, you know, Christians don't quite understand that concept because they've not been taught that. But that's what sin is. It's missing the mark. And what is the mark? It's the Torah. Now, the other thing that people don't understand is which Torah, okay? Because there's a Torah for Jews that was given at Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. And then there's the Torah that was given before that, or the commandments of God, if you prefer, that were given before that in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. Before the flood, there were six. And then there was one more given after the flood. Those are called the seven Noahide laws because the last one, was given to Noah and his descendants as the last remaining human beings after the flood. Okay. Now, some people don't want to hear that. They say, well, that's rabbinic, that's in the Talmud, you know, and all this stuff. But other Christians say, no, 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 that's correct. We follow the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. which is a repeat of those and then some other commandments. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then it becomes ten at Mount Sinai. So whichever way people want to go, whether they, they view it as Commandments given to Noah for all mankind, which is the way the Jewish people understand it. And that's the moral code for everybody. Mm -hmm. Not just right. 
for you know, I mean, for everybody. So they can view it that way, or if they prefer, they can view it as well. We follow the Ten Commandments. That's great too, because mm-hmm. they repeat it there. Okay. Now, getting back to these anti-Semitic statements, though, there's another one that says. Now we're talking about Book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. In Revelation 2, verse 9 and 3, verse 9, it talks about the synagogue of Satan, and it says in each case it's referring to a group persecuting the church, those, quote, who say they are Jews and are not. Now, the point with the book of Revelation is it was written, modern scholars, and I get this from the PBS series on all of this, about the modern scholarship, Christian scholarship, this book was written by someone called John the Elder, who had been exiled to the island of Patmos, okay, which is, again, near um, Asia, right, um, where Paul was going around to all these various cities. Right. And what John the Elder was talking about, because he had been, you know, sent there as a martyr, because he was following Christianity, Okay, you can't say now any more Judeans. You cannot call these people Judeans, but that's what the term really was, because the southern kingdom of Judea, Judah, Judea, was occupied by the Romans. So Jew is short for Judea. Okay, and now in the modern world, we call people Jews because they live everywhere in the world. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. And they were exiled from that land that God gave our people, the southern kingdom of Judah, and they were exiled before that, long before that, with the Assyrian captivity. Okay, so those who say they are Jews and are not, some people think, again, in context, what John was talking about is there was this movement of Hellenism in the first century, even before that, the Greeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you know the story of the Maccabees. But either it's leftover from that or it was whatever when the Romans occupied Judea this thing about Hellenism there were Jewish people Jewish men who would even reverse their circumcision so they would look the same as all the other men in the Greek gymnasiums okay mm-hmm. and maybe they weren't so particular about burning incense to the emperor and other things that were done during that time because Rome was an occupying force in Judea so Really, probably the base language should have been translated for the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. who say that are Judeans and are not. Mm. Because if you're Judean, you're the house of Israel. Okay, again, you're going to be following God's commandments. And in the book of, of uh, Revelation, I mean, I've got so much documentation about this. Who's the whore riding the beast? Was mm. Rome? Who are all these... Um, you know, different versions of the beast are the emperors of Rome, from Augustus to Tiberius to Gaius, to Claudius to Nero, and then you have Vespasian and his son Titus, and finally Domitian. And it was mm-hmm. the time of Domitian, early 90s, early 90s, as late as 96 of the common era when he died, is when this book of Revelation was written. And in the time of Domitian, the Romans were persecuting the Jews. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, and the church, right. sorry, the church. The, church. Mm-hmm. the Christians, the Gentiles, because mm-hmm. why? They were refusing to burn incense to the emperor. 
-hmm. And they were being martyred, and they were being sent to the lions, you know, to be whatever, killed by that method, because they refused to participate in the imperial cult. And it's very, very clear in the book of Revelation that what it's really talking about, at the very end, after all is said and done, the book of Revelation is trying to explain to people that you do not want to worship the emperor. Right. That was the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So again, Rome, in its context, in its persecution of the, because you see, Jews had from Rome the ability to observe their religion, observe the Torah, which they were not going to burn incense to the emperor. Okay, so the Romans said, okay, fine. We're going to keep our standards out of your temple. Of course, eventually later they did bring them in. That caused the Roman Jewish War starting in 66, ending in 70 of the Common Era with the destruction of the temple. But all right, mm -hmm. be that as it may, they allowed the Jews for a time to be left alone, to have their own religion, whatever, but not for Gentiles. Gentiles had to be a part of the imperial cult. So the more Paul is out there spreading the word about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one God, right mm -hmm. who's invisible you can't see him right which the romans thought was a superstition to begin with all right they didn't like jews for that reason they thought it was superstitious okay a god is a person who had great power great wealth great everything then he dies and you worship him while he's alive and then you worship him after he's gone you build temples to him and all this stuff like they did with caesar augustus and all the other caesars so flavian mm -hmm. dynasty so this was the Roman imperial cult. And if you were a Gentile, if you were non-Jewish, you did not have dispensation to have your own religion and to not be a worshiper of the emperor. And that's what Revelations is all about, not to worship this beast. Mm -hmm. That's what the common, the, the most common modern Christian scholars think about the book of Revelation. That's what it's mm -hmm. all about. Wow, that is amazing, and I know that gives food for thought to our audience because this is a concept, and you know, hearing the book of Revelation from this perspective is not something that Christians are typically taught from the pulpits. And so again, it just further illustrates, ladies and gentlemen, how important context is and who is being spoken to, who is the audience that is being communicated to, if we understand the who the speaker is, who is bringing the message, why they're bringing in the message, and who the audience is, why they're bringing this message to a specific audience, it helps the Bible come back to life for us. And this is so important, especially in the days that we are living in. We are living in the last days. I mean, Everybody knows that. I know there are Orthodox rabbis who are saying this is the hour of Mashiach, and they believe that we're living in the last days, and some say Mashiach is coming in 2029, some say 2030. But whether you're Jewish or whether you're Christian, people of faith recognize something unique is happening. Um, there are miracles that are happening in Israel. I just saw an article earlier um, today, as I was reading through some of my news coming out of Israel about the white, um, the the white rainbow, we were, you were just talking about um, the Noahide laws. Well, there was a, a white rainbow that appeared, which 
is believed to be a sign of the the coming of the Mashiach. So we have, ladies and gentlemen, within Christianity, we have been so blinded over the years. We have not been taught a full understanding. We had the general message, but we have taken scriptures, teachers have taken scriptures out of context. It's fueled the issue of Jew hatred among our Jewish brethren. It's what we're seeing. In fact, the one of the reasons why we're producing this documentary on the Inquisition is to try to connect Christians today who are witnessing what's happening, the anti-Semitism, the Jew hatred, and what ha- what took place during the Inquisition. And to see that it's, sa- it's still the same spirit, the same hatred, it just manifested itself in a different time period. And, you know, when we produced the documentary, The Forgotten People, Christianity and the Holocaust, the reason why I produced that documentary was because I I asked myself the question, if this, if the Holocaust could happen in Germany, and Germany at the time was an educated, wealthy, you could say Judeo-Christian nation, and if that could happen there where, where Jews were slaughtered, six million Jews slaughtered, could it happen in a place like the United States of America? And I would suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, it is. We're seeing, even in our young people, it's outrageous. Our K through 12, we see um, teams, sporting teams from different schools, Jewish schools and um, Catholic schools playing soccer. And the Catholic students or the Catholic players are using anti-Semitic slurs on the field against their Jewish colleagues. And, you know, we wonder how in the world, what are these kids thinking? At least our generation is thinking, what, what is the matter with these kids? Are we not teaching them this in school? Are they not learning about the Holocaust? Are they not learning about, especially with Catholic kids, what is being taught in their religious classes? Because you can bet your bottom dollar in those Catholic schools, they are learning about you know, Jesus, they're learning about the Middle East. They're learning learning about the Arab-Israeli conflict. You know, what's being taught? I'd love to see the curriculum. But again, we're fueling this for our kids, for the next generation. And it's got to stop. And the only way it's going to stop is if we spread light, the light of truth on what's happening. Um, but yeah, I know we're coming up on... Um, uh, the close of the program. I want to. I want to thank you for taking the time to um, have this conversation with us and explain these things. This is really incredible, and um, I'd love for you to come back. We need to talk about the more about the Inquisition and about our upcoming film. But um, you know, what would you like to say to our audience before we we wrap the the show today? And how can they and how can they re- reach out to you? I, I love the idea of making yourself available to help people through this process. Oh, sure, sure. Um, well, they can reach me on email, which is very easy. It's a contraction of my name, Yaffa Botcher, without the A-H. So it's Y-A-F-F, like Friday, and then Botcher, 
B-A-T-Y-A, at yahoo.com. I'm on the internet, of course. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. You know, they can find me, Yafabacha the Costa. But what I want to say um, in the end here is I would really like people who are listening to this program to reread the book of Revelation from the things that I've mentioned on this program, okay, especially Revelation 13, 1 through 4, where it talks about the whore riding the beast, okay, it's the beast from the sea who's given power by Satan himself, and he's described as having seven heads and ten horns, and people worshipped him. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, the whole thing of the book of Revelation is, uh, you know, an encouragement to believers, believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob again, and the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth to not worship this beast. And he couldn't come right out and say Rome. Mm-hmm. But modern Christian scholars believe that's exactly who he was talking about, Rome. Yapa, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you found this program informative. We're going to post this podcast on our website and all of our podcast platforms so that you can share with your family and friends. As PJTM Watchmen, we have a biblical mandate to stand against the ungodly rising Nazi threat that is destroying this nation and other Western nations, threatening our Judeo-Christian values and promoting anti-Semitism. We cannot remain silent. As Yaffa mentioned during the interview, you know, we are, Dietrich Bonhoeffer stated that silence in the face of evil is itself evil, and God is will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Even inaction is speaking. God warned the prophet Ezekiel about the responsibility of the watchmen, and their duty is to sound the alarm in their community. This is how you, ladies and gentlemen, can sound the alarm. As a watchman, you can just simply share this podcast with your family and friends. Post it on your social media. Let's get the word out. Because the the problem with Christian anti-Semitism is Christian ignorance. They don't know what they're saying. So please share and like this podcast to help sound the alarm in your community. And don't forget to join us for next week's podcast as we continue this conversation about combating this rise of anti-Semitism and taking back local control of our communities and our children's education. I want to also remind you that if you have not signed up to become a PJTM Watchman, you can help support this mission through our award-winning documentaries and Focus on Israel programs, as well as more programs just like this podcast for just $20 a month. So go to our website at pjtn.org to watch our programs and listen to our past podcasts. With your generous monthly donation, you can ensure that PJTN remains on the front lines and in the headlines, but we can't do it without your faithful prayers and financial support. I hope that you will prayerfully consider supporting our mission as we educate to activate Jews, Christians, and all people of conscience to stand on the front lines of this all-encompassing war. God bless you and thank you for all you do on behalf of our Jewish brethren, the state of Israel, and these United States. Thank you again for joining me on this edition of Proclaiming Justice. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. For more information about how you can get involved, 
please visit our website at pjtn.org. As a PJTN watchman, you can help us keep up the fight to preserve our freedom for our children and their children for such a time as this.